We are in the middle of a spiritual war of epic proportions. When we choose to ignore that truth and expect God to protect us from all suffering and all hardship all the time, we are in for a rude awakening. As long as we walk in this world, we are promised by Jesus himself that we are going to have trouble. As Pastor Mark continues to examine the story of David facing down Goliath and the Philistines, we can take courage from David's example. Even in the face of great difficulty, we can find joy and strength. Our God will allow suffering, but never beyond what we can handle with his strength and comfort. Well, let's join Pastor Mark in the book of 1 Samuel chapter 17 with today's edition of Come Alive. If your kid is failing in school, well, just start pushing him to be a better Christian because if he learns to do all things for Christ and he truly believes that and doesn't, then you know what? He's going to give it his best. He, he may not always be the straight-A student, but he's going to give it his best. And so when it comes to relationship, well, think about this. David's going to get a, a, or whoever defies this king, and it's going to be David, or this giant, it's going to be David, he's going to get a daughter, a marriage. You'll begin to do what is right in those relationships because you're no longer with the same sin. Now you're on a path to righteousness. And so your relationships start to change. You'll see greater success in your relationships. You'll see people wanting to hang out with you more instead of, saying, well, you know, I don't know if he's going to make it. I don't know if he's going to show up. Or, well, every time he shows up, he needs something or wants something from me. Taxes. You know, he don't have to pay taxes. Well, we're all stuck paying taxes. I don't know how that's going to work. We'll never stop paying them. But I'll spiritualize anything, so I'll give this a shot and just ask the Lord to help. So if it's a matter of the law, render unto Caesar what belongs to Caesar, right? God can even provide you the money to pay your taxes, I've seen that happen before. I mean, this year we, we sat down and we were looking and Jess goes, man, you're not going to believe how much we owe in taxes. And I was like, how much? And I'm thinking small amounts, maybe less than $1,000. And it wasn't a small amount. It was more than $1,000. And I remember sitting there going, no way. How is that going to happen? We got stuff we have to buy for the business. And man, this is just not going to happen. And so I said, you know what? We need to pray about this. So I said, Lord, you know, we've been faithful. So I laid out my laundry list. I said, we've been faithful with this. We've done this. I know I've blown it here, but I repented then. And so, Lord, we're asking for your help. We seek you. And then two days later, I get a phone call. Hey, Mark, we need this job. And this is the job that we need for you guys to do. And I remember thinking, man, I really don't want to do it. And so I said, well, let me go out and take a look at it. And then I looked at it, and it didn't seem like it was going to be so hard. And then I work up the bid. Crazy thing was, 
the exact amount of the taxes. So we call our CPA. We say, hey, we got the money for the taxes. It'll be in in about 30 days. Can we do this? And like, yeah, that's cool. And then after we get the check, CPA calls us back and goes, hey, man, I figured it out. You guys actually owe way less than you thought, and we still wound up bonusing. I was like, man, praise the Lord. You know, and and you see how God works. Just being faithful in those little things. If I'd have turned my back on that job, those taxes, I know, I know that I know would have stayed at that higher number. It was a lot of money. It was a lot of money. It was a very defeating day when both Jess and I looked at those things, and I'm like sitting there, and I'm like, I, I don't know where we're going to get this. How did this happen? I, I can't figure this out. Were we not faithful in something? Were we not good stewards? And we started looking at them and looking at and we couldn't find the hole. So we sent him to the accountant, and we said, hey, can you re-look at, look at these, over, look these over again? And he's like, yeah, I'll look them over again, but that's what we have. And then a few days later, there, bam, the Lord prevails. So here we see a reward promised to the one who took out Goliath. You see the reward for the guy who takes out Goliath. Great riches, a bride, and freedom for his family. What did Jesus gain for defeating Satan? Think about it. The same thing. We're called his inheritance, right, in Ephesians 1. His treasure in Matthew thirteen forty four, the pearl of great price in verse forty six. We're called his bride in Revelation twenty one nineteen. Didn't Jesus? I mean, do you see the correlation here? Here's what Saul says: he's going to give, and and Jesus gets. And being in his family, we are the ones that are set free. We're set free. Look at verse twenty six. Verse twenty six says: Then David spoke to the men who stood by him, saying. What shall be done for the man who kills the Philistine and takes away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? And the people answered him in this manner, saying, So shall it be done for the man who kills him. Now Eliab, his oldest brother, heard when he spoke to the men, and Eliab's anger was aroused against David and said, Why did you come down here? And with whom have you left those few sheep in the wilderness? I know your pride and the insolence of your heart, for you have come down to see the battle. Verse 29, and David said, what have I done now? Is there not a cause? So you see what's happening? We see Goliath on the other side, right? The battle lines are drawn, as we talked about last week. And you see Goliath on the other side, and he's doing the intimidation, the interrogation, and humiliation, and so if that doesn't work, here's what the enemy does. And, and this happens. And after I read this, this exact same thing happened to me. I was being intimidated, interrogated, and humiliated by a certain thing that was taking place outside by somebody in the world, a worldly person. And then I go and all of a sudden I, I defeat that and I feel confident about it right after I read this verse and I started thinking about it. And then you see the same thing happening. If the intimidation, interrogation, and humiliation doesn't work from the enemy on the outside, then on the other side of the battle line, it's going to happen from the family or from within. And that exact thing happens sometimes. If Satan can't get you from the outside, he's going to try to get you from within with a family member. And it's the same strategy. We see his brother says here, where are the few sheep you care for? Where's your little thing? That little thing that you do. And Satan works that way. He's going to use whoever he can to cause you to leave or sit still or feel damaged when there's a battle, when there's something going on. And he wants to cause that damage. He wants you to feel damaged or unworthy. 
And so here David is told that he isn't a fighting man. He's only a shepherd. Where are your sheep? That's what he's saying. That's kind of like if somebody comes up and says, hey, Mark, I want to help do something, and, and they're a janitor, and I'm like, oh, well, bro, you know, you really only know how to swing a mop. That, that would be very humiliating to that person. It actually caused a lot of damage. And so that's what happens here. It happens from within the family, David's own brother. Sometimes it's within your own team. Maybe somebody has said something to you, and you didn't like it, and it was very mean, and we need to be quick to forgive and quick to ask for forgiveness when that happens, when that person comes and says, hey, you know, you really hurt me. It, that wasn't very kind. I didn't see it as kind. And it just seems when one area goes well in our life, all hell starts to break loose in another area. And so work is good, but it's rough at home, right? Or it's really good at home, and it's really horrible at work. But guess what? There's those insults. Whether it's at home or at work, you're going to have them. And again, we see that David was sanctified by the Spirit. Remember, the oil was dumped on him. He was sent to serve his brothers by his dad. He sought a treasure, yet he is scorned, insulted, he's made fun of, treated rudely. And we can't have that expectation to always be comfortable in all that we do, in every experience. We can't have the convenience of, oh, it's just going to be an easy life, especially when there's a war going on. Spiritually speaking, there's a war going on. We are called to do battle each and every day. And I think sometimes when we just sit back and think, oh, right now a nap would be great. They're awesome. I had a great one yesterday. And then it was like I had to get up and do work, and there was more battle to do. But we can't always just expect that life's going to be easy all the time. We cannot have the expectation to always be comfortable and experience convenience. We think suffering, sometimes this is, I think, a big problem for Christians, is I I think we think suffering should be avoided. I, I think that a lot of Christians really think that suffering should be avoided, yet the Bible describes suffering as an essential aspect of our life, especially of the Christian life. And we were talking, I was talking with the leadership this morning about it. It's rooted in, it's, it's grounded in the cross of Jesus Christ. In our place, he suffered on the cross to bring us life, right? And so suffering is a very essential part. Augustine said, God had one son on earth without sin, but never one without suffering. He never had a son without suffering. His son, Jesus, suffered. Jesus promised that in this world, we're going to have trouble in John 16, 33. We're going to have trouble, not you may, or if you, if you do everything right, you won't, but we will have trouble. And Jesus' basic call to follow him is a call, in many ways, a call to suffer, a call into the suffering. And so that American dream wants to polarize that joy and suffering. We want to kind of separate the two, but they're, they're interlocked. You can't have one without the other. And so we see that. They can't exist. They cannot exist um, Together, you know, that's what we think, but they can. The Bible suggests that they are linked to one another. Suffering and joy are basic and necessary to our faith. And so here, you know, this may be a tough time for David. He may not like it. He's all bummed out. Man, I'm just here. I was bringing bread to you. I was doing you a favor, and now you're jumping on me? Well, what did I do? See, we can be in a place of real difficulty and have a real deep, profound joy because of Jesus, because of God. 18 times in the New Testament where joy and suffering, we see it, they're brought together. Joy and suffering are always brought together. Suffering precedes glory, 
always. Suffering always precedes glory, but there's a clash because we have this, again, this ideal that clashes again with biblical perspective. And we seem to think that they seem to oppose each other or one another. Turn with me to Philippians one twenty nine. I want to show you something there. And this is something that really spoke to me hard and heavy this week. It started on Monday morning, and it, yet it still hasn't ended. It says, For to you it has been granted on behalf of Christ, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for his sake. To suffer for his sake. Suffering at times is what this is saying. For you it has been granted... What's granted, you know? And we asked the definition of that in the leadership meeting this morning. It's a gift. It's a gift. It's a gift from God for us to suffer, is what this is saying. It, it, It is. It's a gift. Suffering is at times a gift from God. Literally in the Greek it says, a precious gift from God. A precious gift from God. Now some of us are like, oh, are you kidding? What is this? Or what are you telling me? I, I know, it's, it was hard for me to stomach as well. Turn back to 1 Samuel. It, it is, that suffering is a, is a gift from God. And it goes hand in hand with joy. Again, previous to any kind of joy, there's always suffering. And so here we see the children of Israel, they're suffering. They're suffering at the hands of Saul. They're suffering at the hands of a giant that's intimidating, interrogating, and humiliating them. David, the young king, is at the hands of his brother, being intimidated and, and, and interrogated and humiliated by his brother, his own brother from within. And look at verse 30. It says, And then he turned from him toward another and said the same thing. And these people answered him as the first ones did. And now when the words which David spoke were heard, they reported them to Saul and sent for him. So David's sitting there going, Are, are you guys kidding me? We're going to let this guy sit out there and do all this stuff? Look at verse 32. Uh, And then David said to Saul, let no man's heart fail because of him. Your servant will go and fight with the Philistine. And Saul said to David, you're not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him, for you're a youth, and he's a man of war from his youth. Humiliation once again. David's like, I can do this. Anybody ever been there where you're like, I can do this? And everybody's like, you're too little. Or no, you're a girl. Or no, you're whatever. You ever been there when you're like, I know I can do it. I'm the one. I've been there many a times. I'm like, I can do this. And everybody's like, no, 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 let's sit this back. And Mark, we know. I mean, you'll just run and, and do this, and we need to think this through. And you're sitting there, and you're like, all right, okay, I'll submit. And then when it falls apart, you're just like, oh, I knew I should have done it. I knew I should have done it. I've doubted myself, and so I stopped. And so David has a will, and he is exercising that will. And so, verse 34, But David said to Saul, Your servant used to keep his father's sheep. And when a lion or a bear came and took a lamb out of the flock, I went out after it. I wasn't afraid of it, is what he's saying. And he said, I would go out after it. And um, uh, when I'd go out after it, struck it, and delivered the lamb from its mouth. And when it arose against me, I caught it by its beard, and I struck it, and I killed it. And your servant has killed both lion and bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them, seeing he has defied the armies of the living God. So we see a passion here. David's excited. He's like, you know what? Man, this guy's talking against God, against God's armies, against God's people, against God's stuff. Are we like that when we hear people talking against Christians, against God's people, against God's stuff? Oh, the church. Oh, the church. I mean, are we passionate? 
to where we're like, okay, well, maybe that's true. But you know what? Let's go beat that thing. Let's go beat it. So he has this will, and he's exercising that will. He says, I'll take on this guy. I can do it. Notice in the verses we read that David only calls Goliath a Philistine. A Philistine. And an uncircumcised one at that. He doesn't say the giant. He doesn't use his name. He says, hey, or this man of war. I mean, we see, look look at what everyone else calls Goliath. The account even tells us he's a giant. But he just calls him an uncircumcised Philistine. He gives no regard to this guy's past history of how great he is. He doesn't say anything about it. He's just this uncircumcised Philistine. And so when we live in the presence of an almighty God, we tend to see things his way in a little bit of a different way, not man's way. But when we live for God and his purposes, we get a different view at life. The, the trouble becomes, well, it becomes a joy. Those difficulties in life, they become a joy. When we can sit back and say, oh, Lord, man, that's a huge number. I can't, there's no way, we don't have the money for it. But, Lord, we know you're going to be the one to take care of it. And you have that joy. And then again, just recently, in, in my personal life, I went to my wife and I said, hey, here's this thing that's going on in our life, babe. And you know what? We just sat and we were driving and then like we just kind of pulled over with the kids and we had a Bible. And I said, look, let, let's re- let me read this to you. And I shared that Philippians 129 verse with her. And she looked at me and she's like, it's a gift? Oh, and she just kind of chuckled, you know. And I was like, I know. It's insane. But can we rejoice in this thing? Can we rejoice and know that, man, we can look forward to seeing God getting us through this? And within a couple of days, he got us through it. And we look back and we're like, hey, see ya. But guess where we're heading? Towards the next one. To rejoice in that. And that's how the Lord builds us up. And that's how God gets exalted and glorified when we go to the people and they're like, hey, how'd you handle that? Well, let me tell you about what the Lord has done. Well, we heard stories the other night where people were like, hey, how do you handle... We heard one lady that talked about she'd been a, a paramedic or EMS for like 20 years. And I remember one of the questions that was asked was, so how do you handle death and stuff like that that happens all the time? She's like, you know, you just eventually get used to it. And you could see there was a little bit more of a hardness about her than the other lady we had talked to. You just tend to get used to it. And I was like, man, there's a great open door right there. There's an open door. And as we asked them, hey, can we pray for you guys when you leave? I mean, some of them had to leave in a hurry for emergency situations. Um, But, you know, the ones we got to pray with, they were like, man, thank you so much. Thank you so much for praying for me, praying for their safety, praying for them to to be good husbands, you know. I mean, just the whole running the whole gamut, not just, Lord, we pray for this guy's safety as he's out protecting us. I mean, no, we prayed for their families. And this one guy, the, uh, one of the last guys we prayed for was like, man, thank you so much. That meant a lot. Let me tell you a story about how my kid's on a mission trip and my other kid's going to camp. And we sat back down and we listened to his story about that. It was like cool to see that, you know, we have some godly men and women out there protecting us and serving us. And so, you know, there's this giant that David sees. And he sees nothing more than a bunch of talk. So David explains to Saul that there's a shepherd, that he, as a shepherd, that, you know, he and his sheep are constantly under threat. And part of his daily job was striking down the enemy of his sheep. And now knowing he's the king, there's an enemy to his new flock growing, out there howling, growling, and threatening the sheep. 
David and Jesus are both strengthened by experience. They're strengthened by experience. Both dealt with a lion. David with an animal, Jesus with Satan. Satan is the, described as a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Look at verse 37. Moreover, David said, The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear, he will deliver me from the hand of the Philistine. And Saul said to David, Go, and the Lord be with you. David won't be delivered because he's, a, he's got true grit, but because he has the true God. Not because of true grit, but because he has the true God. Circumstances may vary, but he is the same God, whether it be a lion or an uncircumcised Philistine or a huge tax bill or a problem neighbor or a situation at work or a disobedient child or fill in your blank. He's the same God. He's the same God. The same God that David served is the same God that you and I serve. What David does is he looks back to what God had done in his past. Do you do that? David looked back at his past. There wasn't a bear or a lion there right then and there. He didn't meet that bear and lion that morning. He just said, hey, look, here's this thing right here, but this is what God's done back here. He's gonna, I'm, we're going to take care of business out here. I can do it. I can do it. Can you do it? Are, are you bigger than a young boy? Is your God smaller or is it the same God? Do you, I'm sure when he got out there, he just, like, Lord, you're going to take care of this. If I die, all right. And if he dies, that's even better. But David had confidence in his God to take care of that situation. There was no doubt in his mind. See, he heard the taunts from the outside and from within. Yet, he brings God into the circumstance. You and I need to learn how to do this. Can you do this? Can you bring God into your circumstance? Instead of running away or sitting still, can you come with God? Can you walk up to your opponent, whatever that thing is, whatever that fear is, with God? Can you make that decision that you will see that present difficulty as a gift and a privilege? Can you see that? I mean, when you think of it that way, when you look at like, hey, here's this thing, that's a gift and a privilege. The Lord is going to give me a gift and a privilege. The gift is I'm going to defeat that thing, and it's a privilege to do it in the name of the Lord. But yeah, we don't, we don't look at it that way. Lord, forgive us for that. Allow Jesus to penetrate your heart more today. And he's going to make you, and understand, he's going to make you wealthy. This isn't the, the gospel of excess money or anything like that. He's going to make you wealthy in his riches. You'll be rich in his joy and able to see with his eyes that that giant, well, it's just going to be an obstacle that you'll be able to beat and defeat. Thank you for tuning in again today to Come Alive. Pastor Mark will have much more to teach us from this study of 1 Samuel when you join us next time. If you'd like to hear more messages from Pastor Mark, we'd love for you to subscribe to our podcast. Just search for Come Alive in your app store or on iTunes. Before our time is through with you today, though, Tracy would like to tell you how you can be a part of the ministry of Come Alive. Come Alive and radio programs like it are powerful tools that God is using to advance His gospel message here on earth. And we know that God is blessing many through the ministry of this broadcast. We want to make sure we keep God at the center of what we're doing, and that's where you come in. Would you keep Come Alive, Pastor Mark, and those who have heard this program today in your prayers? Your intercession on our behalf is greatly appreciated. 
Thanks, Tracy. Another way you can be involved is through financial support. Here at Come Alive, we rely on the kindness of donations to be able to provide you with quality produced programs. We'd like to ask you to prayerfully consider donating and want you to know that any amount is useful and greatly appreciated. Find out more at comealiveradio.com or you can text a donation to Calvary Katy at 77977. That's 77977. Thank you for bringing this matter before the Lord and thank you for being a part of our listening audience today on Come Alive.